0: Oxygen is a, a picture of prayer in this series. And, you know, oxygen is so vital. We, we don't think twice about breathing most of the time, but, um, but when you're diving, when you're underwater, you really have to think about, uh, about breathing. And um, you may have had a shot at scuba diving. Uh, if you're scuba diving, you carry your own air down. But some divers are surface supplied. And they have, a, they have an airline that travels um, down from the surface of the water. And that is their um, connection to life. That is, is their only source of oxygen. Uh, cut the airline and you have only seconds to live. Unless you're the guy that Becca knows in Australia who can hold his breath for how long? Is it six minutes? Um, anyway, this guy's a free diver, and um, he, can, he can hold his, his breath for incredible lengths of time. Um, but most of us, we're gone in a few seconds. And, you know, it's a bit like that with prayer. Not that we're gone in a few seconds, but... <laughs> I <it, laughs> don't think many of us would be here if, if that was the case. But, but prayer is a, is a lifeline it's a lifeline not for our physical bodies but for our our spiritual selves and if you cut that that lifeline if you cut that um, connection with heaven uh, sooner or later the effect is the same sooner or later our our spirit and um, starved of spiritual oxygen will will lose its connection with heaven and so we need to we need to keep praying we need to um to to make prayer absolutely central in our lives. And for me, uh, for for many years, uh, prayer was a a bit of a duty. It was, um, I came into church uh, around the age of 12, um, gave my life to Jesus, and everybody said, you have to pray, so I prayed. But um, prayer didn't have much life about it, and um, in those days, they... The prayer meeting consisted of, of everybody um, sitting down, and then the meeting would begin, and some old guy uh, would begin to pray. And, would pray, and he would pray, and he would pray, and he would pray, and he would pray, and I would develop little um, little games to occupy the time, like um, like. Um, Tracing my finger around the design in the carpet below. Or, um, or watching, watching the fly slowly wandering up the window pane. Or something like this. Prayer was far from exciting. Um, but I, I never complained because you've, you've got to pray. And, um, and that was fine. But then we came into Christian Outreach Centre. And everything changed we found a church that was fervent about everything. It's a verse in, in Romans 12 that says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And the church that I grew up in didn't have much of this fervor, but, uh, but suddenly I came into a, a church and a movement which had it in absolute abundance. And... Prayer was totally different from anything I'd ever experienced before. Uh, you know, I used to, to read the Bible and, and see the, the things Jesus told us to do. You know, ask, seek, knock, um, pr- pray for healing, pray for deliverance. And I would wonder, what, what, what does that mean? Because, because our church doesn't do these things. And then suddenly I was in the midst of a group of people that that believed Jesus meant exactly what he said and um, these were people with faith in their hearts. these were a people uh, with a passion about prayer and I remember in the early days of the ch- church in air, Kate and I came one morning, and Pastor John had asked us to to hang the um, the big banner uh, outside the community center every sunday and so we turned up about half an hour before the service started and on this occasion, there was a group of ladies. <coughs> who were attending the church at the time. And they'd arrived, but they hadn't gone into the building for some reason. And we could see them uh, up at the end of the building um, with their their ears against the wall. And um, we wondered, what on earth are they doing? It it turned out they were listening to a prayer meeting. Why they didn't go and join it, I'm not quite sure. (laughs) But um, Pastor John was praying inside, and... These ladies, um, like us, were, were new to passionate prayer, and they were just amazed at the, um, at the, the volume at the fervor at the, the excitement of the prayer meeting and just on the volume issue, you know, it's, it's not primarily to do with volume, but, you know, what I find is volume helps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it, it is possible to pray passionately but quietly, but um, it, it's a lot more difficult. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes also we need to stir ourselves up a bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, the psalmist, um, he, he, he would speak to himself. Some of the psalms say things like, Awake, my soul! That's not a religious phraseology, it's a psalmist um, speaking to his soul and saying, wake up soul, it's time to praise God. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my prayer life transformed over a very short space of time as I caught a hold of um, of true fervor in prayer. When I was researching this message, I had a look um, through the... Through the Bible, and what really struck me was it's amazing how many times people cry out to God yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. It's um, you know that's the phrase that's often used for, for prayer in the Bible. So and so cried out to God, mm-hmm. and you know, that tells us it's not some little thing that's mumbled under the breath. Yeah. There, there, there is a passion, that's something heartfelt that's yeah. coming forth from people's lives. One example, 1 Chronicles 5.20. Some of the people of Israel, it says, they were helped in fighting them, and God delivered the Hagrites and all their allies into their hands. Those sound vicious people, don't they? The Hagrites. (laughs) Because they cried out to him during the battle. He answered their prayers because they trusted in him. And, you know, we're not giving any more detail there, but I reckon this battle wasn't going very well. I reckon the Hagrites had the advantage. <laughs> and, um, you know, this wasn't, um, wasn't some religious duty. This was a cry from the heart. This was a, God, you've got to save us now. And so many more times, the Bible tells us, so-and-so cried out. The Israelites cried out to the Lord when they saw Pharaoh's army coming. Moses cried out to God when the water was undrinkable in the desert. The people of Israel cried out to God when they were oppressed by the Midianites. The people of Judah cried out to God in the midst of battle. Peter cried out to Jesus when he began to sink. And in every case, every single one of these, God worked an amazing work of deliverance. Psalm thirty-four, seventeen, really summarizes this. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. You know, when we pray from the depths of our, our being, when we pray from the heart, there, there's, a, there's a faith that builds in our lives. There's a passion that comes forth from our mouths that, that stirs the heart of God. Some of you may have heard of a guy called Jabez. There was a bit of a, a, a Jabez craze in the, in the <laughs> church a few years ago. And um, Jabez appears in 1 um, in Chronicles chapter 4. This is, I, I think, all we know about Jabez. Maybe the, maybe the early readers of this would have known more. Maybe he was, a, he was a famous guy in his day. But this is all we know of, of Jabez. But these two verses are, are very interesting. Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. What's all this about pain? It's, um, it's about Jabez's name. You know, back in Old Testament times, uh, parents gave names with meaning. We still do today, to a certain extent. You may well know what your what your name means, but back in those days, it was really important what was the the meaning of your name. And you know, I imagine a godly parent would want to um, to give a name that, that that meant strong or valiant or courageous or or overcomer or something. Um, but Jabez's mother really hasn't got this idea. (laughs) Um, And um, in the emotion, I think she didn't like childbirth very much. In the emotion of this um, baby coming forth, um, she gave him the name Jabez, which basically means I cause pain. And... This woman has, has basically spoken a curse over her son's life. Um, you know, imagine, everywhere you go, what's your name? I cause pain. Uh, hi, I cause pain. <laughs> Have you caused any pain today? And, you know, this, when words like that are spoken over your life, it has the potential to really crush you. has the potential to really bring you down. But instead of being depressed, instead of opting out, instead of packing it in, yeah. Jabez cries out to God. And yeah. again, I think this is, a, this is a heartfelt thing. This is something from his innermost being. He's, uh, he's basically saying, I'm, I'm sick of causing pain. I'm sick of this um, curse that's been placed over my life. I want things to change. And he cries out to God. And he cries out for blessing, he cries out for enlargement, for God's hand to be with him, for God to keep him from harm, and so that he'll be free from pain, or perhaps, more accurately, uh, will not cause pain. Mm -hmm. The cry of Jabez's heart brought breakthrough in his life. It says, God granted his request. There's an amazing story in Matthew 15, about a lady who came to Jesus. And this is also a lady with a passion. This is also a lady with a a cry coming forth from her life. And notice this lady is not a Jew. She's not one of God's people. She's a Canaanite. The Canaanites were the bitter enemies of the Jews. They were the ones that the the Jews had displaced when they came into the, the promised land. Let's pick up the story in verse 22. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. This is a persistent woman. She, she's already asked several times she's asked Jesus and it sounds like she's asked the disciples too because they're getting really sick of her they're they're saying Jesus get rid of this woman and yet Jesus hasn't responded at all but her passion isn't diminished she's asking and asking and asking and she just keeps on asking and still Jesus doesn't answer this lady's determined. She, she's not giving up on it. It's a passion in her life because she cares so much for her daughter. And eventually, Jesus does respond. And, wait for it, he calls her a dog. <laughs> you know, what an opportunity to take offense. Call yourself a rabbi. Uh, you can't speak like that to me. I'm going down to see the rabbi down the road. <laughs> Imagine in church if, um, if the pastor called someone a dog. What an opportunity to respond in kind. Have a slanging match with Jesus. Start calling him this the, and that and the other name. Or alternatively, what an opportunity to get miserable. And, and to give up in a heap. You know, we have plenty of opportunities to do the same it's it's human nature to to want to pass the buck and it's it's easy for us as people to to take offense at what we think god has done or what we think god has said you know what jesus said here was theologically accurate according to the old testament law at that time this lady had no entitlement to the benefits that that Jesus was bringing. She's outside of the covenant. But you know, I don't think Jesus is being cruel here. I think Jesus is trying to stir something up on the inside of this lady. I don't think he's being callous. He's trying to get faith to rise. He's trying to get this lady to challenge the boundaries. He's trying to to get her to, to push beyond what the law says. He's trying to get her to realise that faith and the passion that it brings trumps everything. And this lady doesn't take offence. She doesn't shout abuse at Jesus. She doesn't give up and go away. She responds with faith in her heart and passion in her voice. Yes, Lord, she said, verse 27, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Yeah. This lady receives her breakthrough. Yeah. Somehow she receives her breakthrough. She has no legal right to it. Je- Jesus hasn't yet died at this point. Mm. Healing for the Gentiles hasn't yet been won on the cross. But faith, yeah. raw passionate, God-believing faith beats theology hands down. We don't get what we have a right to. We get what the faith in our hearts and the passion of our lives cries out for. Jesus taught his disciples this. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I've no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We need a bit of shameless audacity in our prayer lives. I love that phrase. In each of the cases we've looked at tonight... There's a passion in the people's hearts as they cry out to God. And in many cases, it was a passion born of desperation. And, you know, sometimes we're only stirred to cry out to God when we're in dire straits, when God is the, is the only option available, when our personal survival or, or one of our family is at stake. But, you know, we need to go beyond that. Jesus spent hour after hour after hour in prayer to his Father. But most of that wasn't for himself. It was for other people. He had a passion in his heart for people. A passion in his heart for the lost. A passion in his heart for the hurting. A passion in his heart for the, the, the people around him. Paul writes about a guy called Epaphras who has caught something of this passion. Colossians 4, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. This guy, Paul says, is wrestling in prayer. That doesn't give the impression of something passive. That, that I don't think this guy's is um, sitting in the in the room like I was in my teens with the with the old guy going on and on and on and on. You, you know, t- wrestling. Try wrestling, Chaz and you'll you'll soon find out what <laughs> wrestling's like. I haven't tried it, um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to, by the way. <laughs> But I've seen him in action. A wrestler throws energy and fervor into everything that he's doing. Wrestling is not something that you do while you're reading the paper or watching TV, it's something which demands all your efforts. And so, this guy, Epaphras, he's passionate about prayer. Paul says he's working hard. He doesn't say what he's working at, but I reckon he's still talking about the prayer at that point. Prayer can be hard work. If you put your all into your prayer for a, for a, an hour or so, that 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 is hard work, and it, it it really is work. We we may not see the results. We often don't see the results of our prayer uh, until way into the future. But believe me, when you are praying, you are working. When you're praying, especially when you're praying passionately, fervently, with the with the word of God on your lips and the and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in your heart, that that is work. You are changing things in the spirit world. You are you are speaking out what has not yet come in the natural and making sure that it will at some point in future. And this guy Epaphras, he's not praying for himself or his family or even his own church. Paul identifies three churches. And that this guy's praying for. He's interceding for other people. He's standing in the gap uh, for these folks in other cities. You know, we need to, to catch hold of something of that spirit that Epaphras had. After coming into COC, uh, Kate and I, our prayer life was, was totally changed. We began to, to pray fervently. And there was, a, there was a transformation in our lives as a result and no longer was, was prayer just a duty, no longer was it something that I, I fitted in at the end of each day. I used to, to have a few sentences that I would say every day and it, it changed very little from, from one day to the next. But I'd done my duty because I'd, I'd read five verses of the Bible and, um, and uh, prayed a batch of sentences. But suddenly all that changed. And suddenly we beg- we began to see purpose in prayer because prayer changed things, yeah. and that started with the small things. I remember once I um, I woke up with a stiff neck. I've had a stiff neck before. I I know that um, if you just leave it alone, it goes away after a day or two. So no big deal, you might say. But um, I was keen to try out this. Um, What I'd learned about prayer. So I began to pray passionately for my neck. And um, it really boosted my faith that when um, within a matter of minutes the the, the pain was gone from my neck. One of the other things I remember praying for in those early days was for maggots. Uh, (laughs) Let let me explain this a bit. (laughs) I'm not suggesting this is something you go out and do. But um, at the time, I was doing research at the Scottish Agricultural College um, into these maggots, which were an agricultural pest. And I'd, um, it was towards the end of the summer. I'd been trapping flies in the summer, and I had them in cages. And the idea was that these these flies would continue breeding in the lab through the winter so I could continue um, experimenting upon them. <laughs> One sort of flies were breeding away happily, but the other sort, um, they kept laying eggs and the eggs didn't hatch. And a fly's lifespan is only um, maybe three or four weeks. And one by one, these flies were dying without leaving any descendants. And um, I was looking at uh, a whole winter um, of research without this particular type of fly, and I thought one day, why don 't I pray and um, as there frequently was, there was a batch of eggs there, which wasn 't hatching and um so I went into a neighboring room, which was a sort of storeroom, and I began to pray passionately and on that occasion it was uh, it was a passionate but very quiet prayer <laughs> otherwise the the occupants of the of the building might have been coming down to see what was going on in the basement <coughs> i prayed for a few minutes that these uh, eggs would hatch and then i went home when i came back in the morning there's lovely little maggots crawling all over the place <laughs> and you know these are trivial examples but for me they were big at the time because um, answered prayer was never something I had ex- experienced or even expected up until that point. Yeah. And, you know, these little things, they built our faith for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And some of, the, some of the, the big things that we've seen in Inverness more recently, the, um, the, the faith that we've put into those yeah. was built with the, with the sore neck yeah. and the maggots. <laughs> Look how the early church prayed. Acts four twenty four says, "When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, yeah. Sovereign Lord." They said, "You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them." So this again, this isn't some um, some one old guy who prays at a time. It says they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They were praying passionately and praying together. And picking it up in verse thirteen, This is continuing what they were praying. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They're not praying for themselves, even though some of these guys had just been released from prison. They're not praying for themselves. They're praying for their city. That's what the signs and wonders are for. They're to, to see people saved. Yeah. And look what it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We need some of that passion in our prayer life and we need some of that compassion in our hearts for other people. The Bible says that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He one day he looked out over the city and he wept over that city, over the state that the people were in. And our cities today, Aberdeen, Inverness, they're in no better state than Jerusalem was then. <clears throat> let's catch God's heart. Yeah, yeah. Let's catch God's heart for the people of our city. And let's begin to stand in the gap. Let's be in Epaphras. Let's imitate these um, People in the first church, as they passionately prayed for signs and wonders to impact their sitting. Our prayers need to be less of a shopping list and more of a cry from the heart. Faith births passion. And, you know, there's so much in the word of God that, uh, that can inspire us, that can enthuse us, that can build faith. Get the word of God into your life. Get the word of God into your heart that faith will grow and then faith births passion and prayers that flow from that passion those are the prayers that will see our cities transformed let's be a people that will cry out to god thanks for listening if you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact me or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com God bless